All right. Well, good morning to all of you. Um, please pray with me one more time, and then we'll continue. Uh, Lord, I just want to simply say thank you for the chance to be together this morning, and now simply ask for your help. Lord, we want to hear from you today. We want to hear your words and be refreshed by your words. And so would you help us? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us a heart to hear your words this morning? Challenge us as, is, as you see uh, necessary for us. Comfort us as you see necessary for us. Lord, we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I am glad for the chance to uh, be together with you this morning. Um, if you uh, perhaps are a guest with us, um, uh, let me say that my name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I'm very glad that you're here. Um, I'm not normally the one in the pulpit, but I do get the chance to preach from time to time. And, uh, and so I'm happy to be here with you again this morning. And as I have uh, been leading us uh, in uh, sermons recently, I've uh, started to lead us through a sermon series in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to go ahead and continue in Proverbs today. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 4. Um, and let me say, too, happy Father's Day. Um, happy Father's Day. It's been said already, but let me say it from me um, to you dads, to you grandpas. Happy Father's Day. Uh, and actually, as we come into uh, Proverbs 4, the timing is good. I didn't plan it, but we come into Proverbs 4, and the, uh, the label for this chapter in the ESV Bible, which is the Bible I use, um, is actually, uh, it's, called, it's labeled a father's wise instruction. So I think very appropriate for Father's Day today, a father's wise instruction. And we, so we, we have in Proverbs 4, we have this father who is passing on instruction to his son that he received from his father before him. So again, very appropriate, I think, for Father's Day. And I think Proverbs 4 really reminds us, reminds us, it serves as a reminder for us. It reminds us as parents it reminds us as fathers especially of the importance of passing on instruction to our kids or simply to the next generation. Maybe you're not a father, maybe you're not a parent, but you have influence in a child's life. This is a reminder of the importance of passing on instruction to our kids and the next generation. And so for the sake of the message today, I simply want to answer two questions. Number one, what is this instruction that we are to pass on? And then number two, how do we do this? How might we do that? And so let's go ahead and read Proverbs chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. Um, if you happen not to have your Bibles this morning, the words should be uh, behind me on the screen. So this is Proverbs 4. We'll read the whole chapter. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. And he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place, your head, place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. 
I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made some, someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son... Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure. sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Amen. Amen. So again, I think uh, that chapter, I think, provides for us a very good reminder, again, of the importance of parents, and especially fathers, passing on instruction to our kids. It's a reminder, I think, for parents, and once again, especially fathers, that this really is our primary responsibility, is to pass on this instruction. And so that begs the question then, my first question, what actually is this instruction that we are supposed to pass on? Um, So in the case of my family, uh, we happen to homeschool our two daughters, five years old and seven years old. And so my wife has been very directly involved in passing on to our kids, teaching our kids how to read, how to write, how to do basic math, passing on that instruction to them. Um, or I think of my kids and, and how they can ride a bike. And I did that. I passed that on to them. I taught them how to ride a bike. Or um, their, uh, one of their grandfathers uh, enjoys fishing quite a bit, and he bought them uh, reels and rods and tackle and tax- tackle boxes, and he's teaching them how to fish. He's passing on that instruction. Or I remember back when I was learning to drive, and uh, my oldest brother, I'm the youngest of five boys, and my oldest brother, he's nine and a half years older than me, and he taught me how to drive a stick shift with his uh, Honda Civic on this road, this dirt road that led to the cabin that we had at the time. So he was passing on that stick shift instruction, we could call it. Or um, some of you know, actually, uh, early, earlier this week, I fell out of a ladder, and uh, it hurt a lot. I'm okay, praise God. Um, but uh, trying to be a good dad, hanging a, uh, a rope up in a, up in a tree, and uh, one second everything was fine, the next second I'm doing a Superman down the ladder from 15 feet up, and uh, it hurt a lot. But again, I'm thankful to be okay now by God's grace. But I talked to my dad after that, gave him a call, let him, wanted to let him know, and uh, you know, my dad trying to impart some instruction to me. He said, well, you know, and I could hear it in his voice. I think he kind of wanted to say, like, you knucklehead, you know, what the heck are you thinking? But he's like, well, you know, 80 years of experience, you know, that's really a two-person job. And, uh, and, then he, and he said, 
When you're that high up, really, you, you should tie off your ladder first and then do your work. So there's my dad passing on good instruction to me, albeit a little bit late in this case. But, import, but that's important stuff. Good practical skills for living. But things like this, learning to read, to write, to understand basic math, learning how to fish, uh, climb a ladder, drive a stick shift, whatever it is. Is that the kind of instruction that the writer is most concerned with here? I don't think so. I don't think mainly it's about those things. Now, maybe it's a part of that. I mean, that's good. Practical instruction. We need to know that stuff. But the most important thing that the writer has in mind here is wisdom. That is the most uh, important. That is the supreme thing to pass on. So, verse 7 again. In verse 7, the father says that the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get understanding. And whatever you get, rather, uh, get insight. Understanding is another word for insight. Um, and by the way, insight and wisdom, in this case, pretty much uh, synonymous. Um, now, that sounds a little bit strange to our ears. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. We don't really speak like that. But I think what that basically is trying to say is that it's saying that wisdom is the most important thing that we can learn. Wisdom is supreme. It is the, it's the most important thing that we can learn. It's the most important thing that we can pass on. It really ought to be the aim of the instruction to our kids and to the next generation. And I think we can say that about wisdom. We can say that wisdom is this most important thing to pass on because wisdom really essentially is a a shorthand way of speaking about the fear of the Lord. Um, So for example, in chapter 9, verse 10, the father or the, the writer there says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So to say, get wisdom, get insight, it's another way of saying, fear the Lord. Get to know God. And, uh, or, or chapter 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And so the supreme instruction that is in mind here, the main thing to pass on to our children and to the next generation is essentially fear of the Lord. Which is to say, yet another way, it is to say that the most important thing that we can pass on, the greatest instruction that we can give, is to help our kids to trust and obey and to follow Jesus Christ. Now, why do I connect fear of the Lord and Jesus here? Well, I get that from Psalm 147. And I've mentioned this in past uh, Proverbs sermons, if you've been around. But notice the connection uh, between the fear of the Lord and Jesus. So Psalm 147, verse 11 Psalm 147, verse 11 says this. It says that the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Okay, so you catch that. The, 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 those who fear God in that verse are the same ones who hope in God's steadfast love. And so one of the ways that we can think about what it means to fear the Lord is to hope in God's steadfast love. That's one of the ways we can think about what it means to fear the Lord. And the greatest expression of fearing God, or I should say the greatest expression of God's steadfast love, is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So to hope in that, to hope 
to put our hope fully in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, to set our hope fully on that for the forgiveness of our sins and for God to be pleased with us, to have favor with God, that's another way to speak of fearing the Lord. And so to be wise is to fear God, which is to hope in God's steadfast love, which is to hope in Jesus. And it's then to let Jesus bear the most uh, influence in our lives. That's, that's essentially what it means to fear the Lord. That's what it means to be wise, to hope in Jesus and to let Jesus bear the greatest influence in our lives. And as parents, that is what we want for our kids. That is the thing that we want most for them. I think Proverbs calls us to want that the very most for our kids. It's that they would be rightly related to God through Jesus and that that reality would, would bear the most influence in their lives. And then that kind of wisdom, that kind of wisdom is further expressed then in something else that we see in Proverbs 4, and that is in good character and morality. Good character and good morality. So if you look at verses 14 to 15 again, um, this is an example of the Father's wise instruction. And he says this, he says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go, go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Or verse 24 again. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk from you. So notice there that it's uh, not saying uh, much about reading or writing or math or, or these kinds of things. No, this is about character. This is about morality. Um, this is about the kind of character and the kind of morality that is part and parcel of fearing the Lord. It's part and parcel of hoping in Jesus. So things like reading, writing, uh, uh, climbing a ladder, these things in and of themselves, they're, they're really amoral, right? There's not really any moral good or moral evil that's connected to reading or, or writing sort of in and of themselves. But when it comes to character... That, there's a difference there. Really, this becomes a matter of, of, uh, of the ground of our ethics, of our morality. What, what defines good character? What defines, we could say, good morals or bad morals? Well, I would suggest that God, God's character, God's commands, that's the reference point when it comes to uh, uh, character, when it comes to ethics, when it comes to morality. And really, Jesus, in his example, is sort of the gold standard of what is good and what is beautiful and what is right and what is true. He's the gold standard um, of that. Jesus himself is that. Like, uh, our trust in Jesus becomes the very ground of our morality and character. What we can best understand of what Jesus is like, that would define what is good. So if, it's, if so, something is good or bad, if it's either like Jesus or not like Jesus. Um, something is, is either good or bad if it, if it assaults Jesus' character or it exalts Jesus' character. That would help to define what is good or bad. And so we pursue love. We pursue what is just. We pursue righteousness because that's what God does. That's what Jesus does. Um, from, uh, from Jeremiah 9 and, and other parts of the Bible, we know that God um, 
acts in steadfast love, and he, and he acts in justice, and he acts in righteousness. Why? Jeremiah 9 says, because that's what God delights in. He does those things because he delights in those things. And I think that's true for us as well. We, we pursue love and justice and righteousness because God delights in those things. Um, Ephesians uh, 5, 1 and 2 says this. It says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So imitate God. That's essentially the, the, the foundation of our ethics, our, our morality, our character. Act like God. Be like God. Walk in love in these other ways. Why? How? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so we avoid wickedness. We avoid evil. We, we avoid crooked speech and devious talk. Why? Because that all opposes God's character. All of that is what God is not like. And so that's why it's bad. That's why we move in other directions. None of that is what God delights in. God opposes those things. So good and bad, right and wrong, they're really defined, I think, by God's character, his commands, um, which are, again, I should say, his commands that are rooted in his character, uh, which is really most fully expressed in the life of the ministry of Jesus. And so I, I hope you can see the importance of, of parents, of especially fathers, when it comes to character. Because really, um, lots of different people could teach our kids how to read, how to write, uh, how to drive a car, you name it. But when it comes to the most important matters, like character, morality, well, that's a, that's a special privilege and call that we have as parents and especially fathers. We, we have that primary responsibility for passing on that kind of instruction to our kids. And just to underscore that, um, remember Ephesians 6, verse 4, a uh, well-known verse by many. Just to underscore that, it simply says, Fathers, bring up your children, or bring your children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Well, that raises a good question then. How do we do that? Um, how do we go about this? So my second question, yeah, how do we do this? And I'm going to just mention a few things. I'll mention three things. This is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. But this is what came to mind as I was preparing this sermon. So number one, uh, teach along the way. Teach along the way. And what I mean by that is to say that most of the, the passing on of wisdom and character to your kids is going to happen sort of along the way as you move through life with them. Um, I mean, this is how Jesus taught his disciples, right? He, 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 would, he lived with his disciples for three years, um, and he would sort of set aside time to, to teach in more formal ways. But a lot of his teaching just came as he had opportunity as he moved along the way from one place to another. And he would teach about God. He would be very uh, concrete about that. And he would teach about God. But then he would bring his disciples along with him. And he would uh, do ministry in ways that were consistent with what he was teaching about God. And his disciples could see that modeled. And he would then take advantage of moments in between there to teach little lessons here and there. And I think the same could be true for us as, as parents. 
um, with our kids. Or again, if you don't have kids, if you're someone who has some influence in uh, a child's life. As we're going about our lives together, seize upon teachable moments to, to, to direct your kids, to help your kids look to and, and kind of be reminded of the character and the nature of God. Help them to see how amazing God really is. Help them to see how gracious he is. Help them to see how loving and just he is and so on. So, for example, um, one of the things that I've been doing a little bit of lately is I've been asking my daughters um, to sort of think back about something that they had experienced earlier in the day and then just sort of trying to connect that with the character and the nature of, of, of God. So, for example, recently... The girls had been uh, fishing earlier in the day, and so I just asked them, and this happened to be at bedtime, but I just asked them, I said, you know, so girls, you were fishing earlier today, you know, what about fishing do you think is sort of like God? Or what about fishing reminds you of what, reminds you of what's Je- what Jesus is like? And, uh, and it, w- it was a very neat little discussion. I didn't have a preconceived answer to that. I just wanted to put that out there and see where the conversation would go. And uh, one of the girls said something like, um, they said, well, when, when, we, when we catch fish, that's kind of like God, he catches us. And I said, yeah, that's good. That's a g- great observation. And I was able to sort of move the discussion to talk about God's heart to catch us. In other words, his heart to save us, his, his heart to uh, bring us into his family through Jesus. And then one of my daughters said, well, yeah, and when they're, the, the fish are sort of... Uh, out of the water and they're kind of flopping around, that, that's really hard for them because they, they can't really breathe that well. And that's sort of like sin, she said. And I said, yes, you're right. That's, that's a good observation. And I was able to uh, sort of share a little bit more to say that, yeah, that's like God didn't design us to, to sin. That's not really natural for us, actually. And, and when, we, when we sin, it's kind of like being a fish out of water. And, 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 uh, uh, and when we go against God's design and against God's hope for us, we really make life really hard for ourselves, like it's hard for these fish to breathe. So just, again, just this idea that of trying to seize upon your day moments and just try to connect them back to the character of God, to the nature of God. What is God like? What has God done for us in Jesus? What does any random thing that you experience today remind you of related to God? So, uh, and I think Proverbs 4, verse 11, um, in one translation of this verse, kind of speaks to this. Uh, uh, One translation of the verse reads this way. It says, On the path I taught you, I led you on a straight course. So I think that hints at this kind of along-the-way sort of um, teaching. Uh, So uh, that's the first... um, Uh, suggestion I would make. Um, Number one, teach along the way. And then number two, remember that much of what we're going to pass on to our kids is really caught, not taught. You've heard that saying before, I'm sure. Uh, Caught, not taught. And what I'm thinking of there is that we we just need to be mindful of the example that we are setting our kids, especially in our attitude, especially in our body language, in our facial expressions. I mean, our kids, um, especially our younger ones, um, they're really going to look to us as fathers, especially in parents, to kind of get a glimpse of what the character of God is like. And so we, we want to be mindful of it. They're going to learn something about the character of God, which again is the ground of 
good morality, the good character is God's character. So they're going to learn something about the character of God with what they see in our character as parents. And so will they see patience? Will they see kindness? Will they see gentleness? Humility? Courage? Will they see joy? Will they see faith? Or will they see God is like, what's God like? Well, I look at dad and God it must be irritable and he's sort of this glass half full humbug and impatient. Is that what they're seeing? I, I mean, I, I have to say, I know that I have huge room for growth in this particular area. I can so easily be impatient and irritable with my kids and that's not what God looks like. That's not what God is. He's not irritable. He's not patient or he's not impatient um but this is where your example to your kids can really be golden and just give speak huge volumes of good to them it's when we do sin against our kids especially well when we sin period but especially when it's directly against our kids or when they see us sin against our spouse um when they see that it's, it's, do they hear us confess that? Do they hear us go to Jesus with that? Do they hear us ask for forgiveness? Our kids need to see that, and they can see that. Our kids need to see that. Really, that's a foundational piece of the Christian life, right? That's a huge part. That's a foundational part of the Christian life, of discipleship. It's knowing that we sin. We're not fooling anybody. We need Jesus. We sin we confess that sin, we don't hide that sin, and we ask for forgiveness. And our kids need to see that, and they can see that modeled, um, uh, modeled in us. They need to see that we need Jesus, this very Jesus that we are offering to them and, and helping them to know that they need. They need to see that we need Jesus too. We need Jesus. They need to see that. Um, and again, when especially, um, uh, well, I should say our, our kids... They don't necessarily need to see, you know, know all the details of all the sin that we're struggling with. But they do need to see, I think, that we do struggle. And they need to see how we go to Jesus for help when we are struggling. And then especially if that struggle has to do with directly sinning against our kids, they need to see us confess that sin ask for, for their forgiveness, and receive their forgiveness. Again, remember, uh, much of what we pass on to our kids is going to be caught, not taught. They're going to see it in our example, and that's going to make a bigger impression than a lot of what we can say with our mouths. So, caught, not taught. That's number two. And then finally, uh, number three. Aim for the heart. Aim for the heart. Um, aim for the heart. In other words, think, more, uh, think about more than just behavior when we're raising our kids or we're trying to instruct our kids. Now, yes, behavior is important. We've got to be concerned about our kids' behavior. But remember that that behavior, that's coming up from what's inside of them. It's coming up from what's inside their hearts. So our hearts, this our inner being, the sort of center of the center of the real us, um, sort of the center of our, our will, the center of our desires, the center of our emotions. And so any lasting behavioral change has got to start with heart change. 
Um, in Matthew 6, 45, a familiar verse for some, Jesus says this. He says that the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or in Matthew five nineteen, Jesus says that out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And so the, the, proverb, the father in Proverbs 4 warns against causing others to stumble. He warns against violence. He warns against crooked speech and devious talk. And that's coming from someplace. That, that kind of behavior, that kind of speech, that's coming from inside a child's heart. That's inside a heart that is treasuring something. It's not treasuring, in that case, the fear of the Lord. It's not treasuring Jesus. And I think that the father in Proverbs 4 knows that the heart has got to be impacted if there's going to be any lasting good character. Um, I think that's why he says in verse 23, he says, keep your heart with all vigilance. In other words, guard your heart. Guard your heart, from, for, for from it flows the springs of life. Life is coming up out of the heart. And so how do we pass on instruction in good character and morality that's rooted in the fear of the Lord? Um, well, among other things, we need to, again, aim for the heart. Um, we need to help our kids to keep their hearts with all vig- vig- vigilance. Um, we need to aim for the heart. We need to aim for the heart so that our kids, um, we can help them to have good treasure in them. In other words, helping our kids to really love and trust and treasure Jesus. Um, Psalm 104, verse 34 says this. It says, May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. So catch that. In other words, Lord, I want to please you because I rejoice in you. Because I treasure you, I want to please you. See, we're going to want to please the thing, uh, uh, the person that we rejoice in. The thing, the person that we treasure, we're going to want to please that. And and so so we want to help our kids to treasure Jesus so that they would want to please him and that would work itself out in this good character. So um, our kids, however, um, just like us, um, they struggle just like us. They, they wrestle with bad treasure in their hearts. We wrestle with that. We, we wrestle with heart idols. We could call them things that we treasure more than Jesus in any given moment. Um, that's essentially what a heart idol is. Um, really, this is just anything that replaces God as the most influential treasure in any given moment. A heart idol, it's really anything that replaces God as the most influential desire, the most influential treasure in any given moment. And so if, I, if I'm willing to sin in order to get something, probably that thing is an idol, if I'm willing to sin to get it. Or if I'm willing to sin in order to um, keep something, hold on to something or someone, maybe a relationship, pretty good chance that that's a, an idol. Or if, if, if I'm looking to a person or a thing for refuge instead of God, for refuge and comfort um, in a way that's more than God, 
pretty good chance that that is an idol. And man, we struggle with heart idols every single day. This is a, a, a daily sort of almost minute by minute thing in reality. And our kids struggle with that too. Um, in any given moment, their heart is treasuring something in any given moment. There's a desire there. And it's either for God, it's either for his, his uh, uh, character uh, or, or desire for things that are consistent with his character, um, a desire for him himself. Um, and uh, it's either that or it's not that. Either treasuring God or not. And so part of passing on good character and, and morals, it's going to include aiming to help our kids to see into their hearts, to address their hearts, um, to try to help them uncover what might be the little idol that's in there sort of vying for the affection of our hearts over against uh, God, again, in, in, in any given situation. Um, and to do that, there's more than one way to do it. Um, but I think one way to do it is by asking certain kinds of questions, certain kinds of questions um, that can sort of help to access the heart rather than just thinking merely about behavior. But we're trying to get underneath and sort of why is that particular behavior uh, coming out? Uh, What might they be treasuring in this given moment that might be leading to a certain kind of outward behavior? So, for example... um, Maybe you're with your younger kids, I think, uh, especially uh, in this case. Maybe they're arguing um, with uh, their sibling, or maybe they're arguing with a a friend over a a toy or something. And we could step in and we could say, well, um, you know, what are you loving right now? What are you loving more right now? Are you loving this thing, this toy, or are you loving your friend? Are you loving your sibling? What are you loving more right now? Uh, And what do you think Jesus would want you to love? Who, Jesus would want you to love the, your sister more than the toy, right? Let's, let's pray. Let's ask Jesus to help us and change our hearts. It, it could look like that. It could be one way that it looks. Or questions that address a child's emotions. Um, especially, uh, I think, if the kids are a little bit older, um, where they've got a little bit more capacity to um, think critically about their emotions. Um, uh, questions that... that, that Get at emotions that can be helpful for accessing a child's heart, especially if uh, the emotions are particularly strong. Oftentimes when we act out in strong emotions, I think that can be an indicator that, um, that, our, that maybe our idols are being threatened in some way. Maybe, maybe um, I want something and there's somebody or something blocking me from getting it. Um, or, and so that gets me heated up. That gets me pretty angry. I want something out of a relationship. Or I want um, uh, something uh, at the store or whatever it might be. And there's something blocking me. Or maybe it's something that I want or, or, or rather that I have and it's sort of being threatened to, to be taken away from me. So, you know, whatever it might be. If, uh, when we ask questions that, 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 that sort of um, try, to, try to get to emotions... That can help us maybe uncover what's going on underneath the surface. And so if maybe if our kids are angry, and, and strongly angry, right? Strong emotions often indicate this. So you might, you might want to approach them and just, you know, I noticed that you're angry. What is it? What's got you so angry? Why do you think this is making you so upset? Why do you think this is making you so upset? Um, have you sort of how, how have you been sort of acting in, in response to that, that thing? And how is it sort of turning out for you? How, how maybe could you have 
uh, handled this a little bit differently. How do you think Jesus responded and acted in similar kinds of circumstances, maybe, when he was angry? Um, How did Jesus maybe respond? How do you think Jesus would want you to respond? Again, um, let's pray. Let's ask Jesus to change our hearts in this way. Um, You could ask your kids if they feel ashamed about anything. You could ask your kids if they're happy or, or they feel guilty or whatever the emotion might be. And then ask what they think Jesus might say to them in that feeling. If they're feeling ashamed, what might Jesus say to them? If they're feeling ashamed, if they're, they're feeling lonely, what might Jesus say to them if they're lonely? Whatever it might be. Um, ask maybe, how did Jesus handle his fear? How did Jesus handle his um, pick the emotion? Um, Jesus experienced the full range of emotions available to humankind. How did he handle them? What did he do? Is there anything that we can glean from that? Um, we might ask, what God promises us um, because of Jesus in light of that emotion? Is there anything that God promises us because of Jesus? We might remind our kids of, of how God is gracious and he's merciful and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. How might these things, son, daughter, how might these things bear on how you're feeling right now? To be reminded that God is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You, you could come up with a, a million questions along those lines. But, but it's these kinds of questions, asking about emotions, and then bringing Jesus to bear on those things. Bringing God's promises to bear, bringing God's commands to bear, bringing God's character to bear, right up against that emotion, and, and having a conversation about that. That's one way to access our kids' hearts and start to maybe see what sort of little heart idol might be being embraced there and what might be blurring uh, your child's love for Jesus in that case. Uh, Paul Tripp says this. He says, The most important thing to consider when examining the heart is what is functionally ruling this person's heart in this situation. Uh, In other words, what's, what's the primary treasure in any given situation. Whatever controls my heart is going to control my responses to people and situations. God changes us not just by teaching us to do different things, not just by teaching us to do different things, but by recapturing our hearts to serve him alone or to treasure him alone, to worship him alone. So however we do it, it'll take practice, it'll take time, it'll take trial and error. But however we do it, we do need to aim for the heart of our kids, helping them to see where maybe they're not, helping them to see their treasure disorder that might be going on inside of them because any lasting behavior change is going to first address that treasuring heart and to see, and see change there first. Um, now, change in behavior, of course, is good. We want to see the change in behavior. And sometimes change in behavior, just choosing to do the good thing can really influence your heart and can really impact and sort of change your emotions even with that. And you begin to feel sort of in in line with that good behavior. But foundationally, more foundationally, what we say, what what we feel, that flows out of a treasuring heart. And so we need to find ways to access our kids' hearts and help them to be recaptured by Jesus. Easier said than done for sure. Um, but that's got to be our aim. So those are three potential suggestions you could uh, take, take uh, with you again. Um, 
What did I even say? Number one, um, teach along the way. Um, Number two, caught, not taught. Number three, aim for the heart. So again, I think Proverbs 4, um, uh, coming to a close here, Proverbs 4 reminds us uh, really of the importance, uh, again, as parents, especially as fathers, of instructing our kids, of passing on instruction to our kids, of really truly being involved in our kids' education. I mean, it's very good. Teach your kids to camp and fish and ride a bike and climb a ladder and all these things. But the most important thing that we can pass on to our kids, and really the primary responsibility for parents, um, especially fathers, is passing on this wisdom that is expressed in good character and good morals and which is rooted in this heart that hopes in Jesus. So please pray with me. Lord, thank you uh, for the reminder. And uh, on Father's Day, I ask for your help, Lord, please. Please help us to be parents, to be fathers, to be others who have influence in kids' lives. Uh, Help us to be Uh, to to take up this responsibility well. Would you please empower us for it with fresh hope in Jesus and fresh power by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.